So his covenant still stands. Um, I, I found a scripture also, too, because you should, when pastor's preaching, you should always dig into the word and, you know, find some more scriptures that are going along with his word. Right, church? We do that. Um, Psalm 105 and 8, it says this. It says, he remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Our God remembers covenant forever. You know, um, covenant simply defined is an agreement. Um, biblically, it's an agreement between God and man. Did you realize that? That a covenant's between God to us and us back to him. It's just not, doesn't go just one way. Um, covenant is also um, an agreement between two people in some cases. And it usually involves promises. You know, God gives us promises. It's a concept that's used throughout the entire Bible, this thing called covenant. Um, the Hebrew, Hebrew word covenant um, actually means to cut, which involves blood. Remember anybody back in the day, there would be blood brothers where they'd cut and they'd shake on it? It's kind of gross, but maybe we did that as a kid. We didn't know any better. It was pre-HIV, praise the Lord. We didn't know, okay? But, people, you know, back if you did that, <laughs> if you did that, it was a covenant. It was a blood covenant that you make. And you all know that Jesus has shed his blood for our covenant. Um, another word for covenant is promise. And you know there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises in the word of God. And in uh, 2 Corinthians 1 and 20, it reminds us, it says, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Every promise in this Bible, every promise for us is yes and amen. Praise the Lord. That's good news, people of God. It's, it, God doesn't just say yes he says, amen. Amen means I agree. So God is saying, yes, you can go ahead and amen. I agree. Now, amen again means I agree. Yes is the go ahead. You know, there are some people that may say yes, but not give you an amen. They can say yes, but they don't agree. Okay. For instance, there was a basketball game on a couple days ago. Yes, the Cavs won. But no, I don't agree. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But the point is, is that, you know, it's, and when you get a yes and, and I don't agree, it's tough because people aren't really happy for you. But God is saying, no, not only can you have it, but I agree that you shall have it. So, so the, the, the best part about the God we serve, besides the fact that he is wonderful and awesome and a healer and loves us, is that he makes covenant with flawed people. You know, before you go in dealings with someone, don't you want to know that person and be able to trust that person? You're not going to just agree or make a promise with anybody. You want to make sure that person isn't shady. And I don't know if you'll be honest tonight, but God makes some deals with some shady people. Come on. We'll be okay today, but tomorrow we might change on him. Amen. You know, we make promises to God. He makes promises to us. Sounds good, but then when you get into it, it gets a little tough, a little hard, and then we might forget about the promise we made or the agreement we made to him. Thank God he doesn't to us. Amen. So he makes covenant with flawed, untrustworthy people like us. So there's five covenants in the Bible I want to go over tonight briefly because we benefit from them all. Five covenants. Um, way before we were ever born, God established covenant on the earth for all of us. And I think it's important that we remember what he's done for us. The first covenant, of course, is the God's covenant with Noah. Praise the Lord. Um, this covenant can be found in Genesis chapter 6. Um, when the world was wicked, Every, every, everybody on the world, can you imagine everyone in the world being wicked? You know, we just experienced a horrible shooting in Orlando. It was terrible. It was evil. I don't care how anybody's living. Nobody deserves to die. Amen, okay? 
But can, can you just, just imagine those things like that happening every day all the time because there was evil in the land. That's the kind of land that Noah lived in. Um, if you go to Genesis 6 and 5, the word says that then the Lord saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Meaning there's not one good thought in any of our minds right here. It's all evil the whole time, okay? And then verse 7, God says, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. This is God. He's sorry that he made us. Jesus, Lord, thank you for sending your son. Praise God. But then the word says in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace, unmerited favor. It goes on in Genesis 6 and 9. It says that this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. So from all the people created on the earth at this time, Noah was the only one. There was only one that was walking with God. Isn't that hard to imagine? We know some really mean people, but they still have some God in them, right? At this time, there's no God in anyone. So Noah lived during a horrible time. Noah was the only one who walked with God. God changed his mind about us, wanted to do a do-over. Noah started building the ark, and the word says that Noah was preaching or telling people what was to come for 120 years. In the movies, it seems like it was just 20 minutes. But he built it. It took 120 years. He was warning the people for 120 years. Isn't our God good to us? That's a long time, <laughs> 120 years for him to tell him, come on, the flood's coming, get your life right, come on the boat with me. You all know only eight showed up, all the animals, all right? But then Genesis 9 and 12, here's the covenant part. Genesis 9 and 12, and God said after the flood waters uh, receded and the doves came and all the animals were coming after two by two, praise the Lord. God says this to Noah. He said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall see, be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant between me and you and every little creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. So that's what our rainbow is. And I know you guys are Bible scholars and you know this already, but I get just amazed and wonder how people can't believe in a God that created the rainbow, not just for our pleasure or for our Instagram moments, but it's a covenant. It's a covenant that he's made with us in the earth for future generations that he will never destroy the earth again with water. We should praise God for that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for that second chance. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, there are people today that use the rainbow for different symbols. I tried to get away from it, people of God, but I just couldn't. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, we love everybody, right? And everybody has issues. We said that God keeps covenant with those that are flawed. But there is a symbol out there that the rainbow is used, and the rainbow, it doesn't mean what we believe. We believe the rainbow's covenant that God will not destroy the earth again with water. But some have taken on the rainbow to represent pride in a lifestyle. Now, the thing about it is, let's not be silly, homosexuality has been around forever. It's mentioned in the Bible. There's no new sin under the sun. There's nothing new we can invent. Anything bad, we've already did it already, so it's not a new thing. The only thing that's different this time is that there's pride attached to that lifestyle. And the Word of God's very clear on how he feels about pride, okay? It says here in Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance, and the evil way 
I'm sorry, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Then the word says this, Psalm 10 and 4, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. Do you see how pride becomes the issue of the situation? And y'all know the situation I'm talking about, okay? The pride. Proverbs 16 and 18, 19 says, and a pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Better to be a humble spirit than the lowly than to divide the spoiled with the proud. So when you see that rainbow being represented somewhere else, know that it's the pride. It's saying that I'm proud of the lifestyle that I've chosen. Well, really, no, it's, it's God saying, listen, I'm giving you a second and a third and a fifth chance to give you a hope and a life that you don't have to stay in your sin. And that's whatever sin you do, because all of us have our own sin. Praise the Lord, okay? So I just had to throw that in there just because it's just I wanted to. Amen. All right. So, so anyways, the, 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 the covenant, God's covenant with Noah, that is the first covenant mentioned in the Bible. And then it says this. It goes on to the second covenant is God's covenant with Abraham. Genesis 1, I'm sorry, Genesis 12, 1 and 3, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is what God spoke to Abram as he was uh, being um, cooperative with the Lord to leave where he was and to start our general bless generational blessings coming our way. It says, in you, all the families will be blessed. In you, meaning that there's going to be a seed from you that's going to travel down the generational line that's going to reach us. And that seed, of course, is Jesus. And once we step into knowing who Jesus Christ is and we receive the love of Christ, we get great benefits. And Galatians 3 and 29 says, and if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What promise? The promise found in Genesis 12, 1 and 3. That we will be a blessed nation. That we will be blessed. He will make our great, make name great and we shall be a blessing. To be blessed means to be favored by God. It's the power to prosper and be successful. The blessing, once you get it, should be the motivation for you to pursue a life of blessing, not to get you out of blessing. Anytime God blesses you, gives you favor, gives you great success, God is saying, I want you to stay in this line of blessing. And it should drive you to do more, to love more, to believe more, to trust for more. Because God's showing you that he is with you. But the enemy would like to take that blessing and make it painful and sorrowful and not for you to enjoy it. Don't you ever stop enjoying what God has given you. That was a blessing. Go, amen. I know how that feels. To where you pray for something and you get it and you're good for about three months and then it becomes burdensome. And you start hearing about in your mind how hard it is and how far you have to drive and the traffic. And wait a minute, you believed God for this. And God opened the door. You better thank God in that traffic. Thank God, come on, it's a blessing. And good success comes with it. So that's the Abraham covenant. Of course, we love that covenant because that's just, thank God we've been grafted in because there was a time if you were not of Jewish lineage, we had no hope but because of Jesus, we now can participate in that blessing. The third covenant is the Mosaic covenant. And God remembered this covenant with Abraham and Moses. So we're in Exodus now, two and 24. And God heard their groaning, the word of the Lord says. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob. God is speaking to the children of Israel that were being abused by the evil Pharaoh back in the days. Praise the Lord. You all saw the movie, Prince of Egypt. This is when they're getting beat and it's terrible, okay? And God heard the moaning of the people. And the word says God remembered the covenant. 
And that's why he said he would raise up Moses and sent Moses to speak on his behalf. And of course, Moses did the whole let my people go and they escaped from Egypt and the Red Sea and all that. We've been going about this all these last three weeks. And do you know that the people in the Bible, the children of Israel, actually agreed with Moses that they would do whatever the Lord said? This is after, three months after they're on dry land and they're kind of wandering in the wilderness. Moses says, I'm going to go talk to God. The children of Israel said, whatever God says, we will do. <laughs> Exodus 19 and 8, this is what it says, Exodus, Exodus 19 and 8. Then all the people said together, all the Lord spoke and will do. There it is. Praise the Lord. And then that's when they got the Ten Commandments and all that good stuff, right? And remember, the people said, all that God said, we will do. And then they changed their mind. Now, don't we do that? Praise the Lord. Yes, we still do. It's okay. It's all right. And so there it is. We could not live up to the Ten Commandments. The commandments were rules. And you know, the more rules you have, the more they're going to be broken. And then Moses had a whole book of covenants. Can't do this, can't do that, can't go here, can't wear that. Can't, I mean, a whole bunch of rules. It just made sense, but just it's a lot of rules. And let's be honest, we in our flesh, if it's a rule, we want to know why can't we break it? Why can't I do that? Amen. And so we couldn't live up to that covenant, and that was destroyed. But thank God for Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. And that scripture says this in Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day which I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was the husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. This is back in the Old Testament. Jeremiah got a word from the Lord. Jeremiah was a prophet, got this word that God said, Okay, I'm going to send something new, something better, something that we don't have to worry about breaking anymore. And we should really be thankful for that because I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But thank God that God had a better plan and a better idea to help us all out. Amen? The fourth covenant, the fourth covenant, it's a covenant with David. 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13. God says to David, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David got a word from the Lord that said, David, when you die, someone is going to come after you. There's going to be a seed that is in you that is going to bless the nations forever, and God's going to establish his kingdom. And of course, in Matthew 1 and 1, the, the genealogy of Christ says uh, this. It says, the genealogy of Christ was the son of David, the son of Abraham. Understand this. It's very important to realize, and this is proof that the Bible is so real, that you should not dispute the word of God. It's all traced. It all makes sense. No man could make this up, okay? But all from generation to generation to generation, finally Jesus arrived, and it says that he is the son of David. That's the covenant established in 2 Samuel 7 and 12. And now here we are, the fifth covenant. The fifth covenant is the covenant of Christ. That's the covenant that we all enjoy today. The covenant that talks about salvation and redemption and forgiveness and love and acceptance. Thank God for the covenant of Christ. 
Hebrews 8, 6, and 13 says, But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant. Jesus Christ is the mediator or the overseer, or he's the one that's reminding God in heaven of the rules, praise the Lord, set for us. He's mediating for us. He's fighting on our behalf a better covenant, which is established on better promises. It's a new covenant. The old covenant is passed away. It's a new covenant. Understand this. Before the new covenant, we could not go to Jesus Christ like we did tonight. You would have to wait outside and send me in, and hopefully I lived a good enough life that I didn't come up dead. Praise the Lord. You'd have to be outside in the grass out there hoping, hope she gets in and gives a prayer on my behalf. But now we can boldly go before the throne of grace because of Jesus Christ. We do not need a priest to go for us. The veil has been torn, and that is a blessing that all of us here right now can say, Father, I love you and forgive me, and God can reach you right here, right where you're sitting down right now. Come on, that, that's a good thing. That's a blessing. That's the better covenant and better promises. Now, understand this. The covenant's only implemented by faith. You've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. You've got to believe that Jesus is a real, living, loving God, that Jesus isn't a character or an idea, that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, that he walked on this earth for 33 years, and he did miracles and healing and teaching, and then he was persecuted, and then he died, and then he went down to the grave and got the keys of hell and came back three days later and now walked around again for another 65 days and then ascended to heaven and said I will love these people they belong to me they are made white as snow they've been redeemed by the power of the blood you've got to believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done don't 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 let us forget what he did for us don't let us forget that we serve a good god that he was bruised for our iniquities come on that he was chastised that he actually bled for us that we now can say we believe in healing because of what he went through in his body that the, by his stripes the stripes on his back the stripes by his stripes we are healed not that we will be not that we might be but we are healed in the name of Jesus. Jesus. The new covenant, it's a better covenant. I read it in Jeremiah 31. Remember he said that I will put their law on their minds and on their hearts. Do you realize that there was a time where people would walk around and be clueless to have any type of relationship with God? But the word says, I have an idea. I'm going to have these people have it written on their hearts. No longer will it be written on stone that can be broken. I'm going to write it on their hearts. I'm going to put my word in their minds. That's why when we're born and we get to a place in their life, we think that something's missing. Something doesn't feel right. You feel empty inside. You don't know what it is, but you're seeking something. Let me tell you tonight, it is the word of God that's written on your heart, that's been put in your minds, and you will not be fulfilled until you find it. That is a blessing. 
And for you parents out there that have kids that are acting crazy and teenagers are acting out of their mind or you just sent them away to college, praise Jesus, don't you fret and don't you be afraid. You remember the word of God is written on their hearts and it's written on their minds. And God, let them get to a desperate place where they need you again. Let them feel empty without you. God, I will pray and I'll believe, but God, because the word is already on the inside of them, let them miss you. Let them long for you. Let them wake up in the midnight hour and worship you. Hallelujah. Because it's already written on our hearts. That's why you felt like you didn't, you felt incomplete. Because you were until you learned of him. Until you got in a relationship with him. That's why it's a better covenant. It's a better covenant. He puts his law in your minds and hearts. Another reason why it's a better covenant, it involves a close, intimate relationship between God and his people. Remember I told you that in Old Testament, you all would have to wait outside. I'd have to go into the holy of the holies, and hopefully I'd make it in. No more, no more. God's saying, no, I want a relationship with you. God wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He already knows you. But he still wants to have a relationship with you and develop that knowing. Know him. Spend time with him. Um, James 4 and 8, draw near to God and all draw near to you. That was a, a scripture that did not exist in the old, but in the new, if you draw near to him, he actually comes toward you. He meets you halfway. We should really give God a hand praise for that, that he'll meet you halfway. Remember um, that, um, what would Jesus do? Remember way back in the day, everybody had the WWJD bracelets on, and then it became kind of a joke. And, but, but I was thinking about that today. What would Jesus do? That's really profound. Because the only way you would know what Jesus would do is if you knew him. You, you should know what Jesus would do in any circumstance. You know, someone makes you mad, what would Jesus do? Pray for him. Someone does you dirty, what would Jesus do? Give him something to drink. <laughs> Come on, somebody, somebody owes you money, what do you do? G forgive, forgive. Oh, no man, nothing but to love, right? The, Jesus has an answer for everything we go through, every circumstance, every anger, everything we want, every time we want to go off. If you take the moment and say, what would you do? If you know him, you'll know what to do. If you don't know, well, then you won't know. That's why we have to know him. It should be our desire to want to get to know him more. You should wonder about him. You should think about why he does what he does. You should look at the sky and wonder, why did you make it blue, Lord? Why not magenta? Praise the Lord. I, these are my conversations with Jesus. You know, you should wonder, you know, why, why, why Lord, are the trees green, God? Why, why do you allow us to give birth to children? Have you, you know, that's crazy if you think about it. You, we could just poof and they're there. You know, we could be like chickens and lay eggs. But no, he wants them inside of us. You know, I, I, there's this thing you want to know, God, God, why, why is it that you love me so much? What do you see in me, God? He'll tell you. He'll tell you. He, he will speak to you and tell you. I can remember one time many years ago, I was looking in the mirror at myself, and I, I never liked my name. I thought my name did not fit me. I thought I should be Michelle. And it's funny because everywhere I go, people always call me Michelle. I tell you, Mom, missed it. But, and so I was going to be either Kelly or Tiffany. Those were my options. Thank God for Kelly, amen. But I was looking in the mirror, and I was like, just, just, just not thinking about nothing. And the Holy Spirit says, I like your name. And I'm like, God, you're so, something so small that God would whisper that to me. 
And, say, and then I'm like, okay, well, if you like it, I like it. But that's because we had established relationship. He knew my thoughts from afar off. He knew my hangups. He knew my mind. And I'm telling you, when you spend time with God, he begins to care about the little small details of your life. And he will actually address them when you get to know him. He wants to know about you. He wants to know your fears. He wants to know you're, and you're angry. He wants you to tell him you're frustrated. My God, look at David. He was like a spiritual schizophrenic. He was always going off on the Lord, then blessing him, then getting mad, and then loving him. I mean, it's okay to have that type of relationship with God. It's called relationship. He gets to know you. He wants to know you. And how do we know him? Through study of the word, through prayer. Through prayer. Oh, my gosh. If we would just take as much time as we do on social media to pray to God. I'm serious. I'm kind of on a social media fast right now because I'm just sick of it. It's just dumb. I love all y'all, but most of the time, me included, we're not talking about nothing important. Praise the Lord. And if we would just take time out just to pray to God and just to seek his face and just to shut everything off and just say, God, what would you have for me to do, Father? What is it that you want with me? God, I don't really want anything. I just want to talk to you a little bit. Have a conversation with Jesus. How about this? Worship. Worship. We experience worship tonight. Pure, genuine worship is the best way to know God. It's the most intimate thing we can do as children of God is to worship. We're laying everything out on the table. We're saying, God, I don't care how I look. I don't care how I sound, but I'm just going to worship you, Father, in spirit and in truth. I want to be intimate with you, God. That's how you get to know him, and he wants that. And here's another reason why it's a better covenant. It allows us to become heirs of the promise. Galatians 3 and 29 says, and if you are Christ, then you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember we talked about Abram, the first covenant? We have access to the benefits. And I'm telling you, that's why I just cannot stand the spirit of poverty. And I'm talking about poverty, not just money, but in your mind. That if you're okay with below average and you're okay with not having enough, that is not how we're supposed to live as Christians. Amen. It's okay for a season because we're on our way towards something, but don't be like generation and generation and we're just going to struggle. No, the struggle is over in Jesus' name. We're coming out. Hallelujah. We will be better in the name of Jesus. We can't just settle for what is what it is. No, there's money all around us, people of God. There, listen, it, an idea, we live in the best nation in the world, a free market society. We can come up with an idea, patent it, sell it, and become millionaires overnight, but you got to do the work. Some of us in here have ideas and inventions that you know God gave you, but you think about the hurdles and the paperwork and all that. Yes, it's a challenge, but I dare you to step out and do it. Do the work and see if God does not bless you. Amen. That's a prophetic word for someone out here. Because what's going to happen is one late night, you're going to be on the QVC channel, and you're going to see your idea being sold, and you're going to be mad. <laughs> but I'm serious. We, cannot, we have to get out of this being um, um, poor in our thinking and poor in our living and poor in our ideas, and our kids will be better than us in Jesus' name. We're heirs of the promise. Here, here's a great uh, better covenant. Our sins are forgiven. Praise Jesus. 1 John 1 and 9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins, not to a priest, not to your pastor, not to your neighbor, if you just tell God, man, I really messed up in this area here and I need your help, God forgive me, you're forgiven. 
And it's by faith. Remember, it can only be implemented by faith. You've got to believe you're forgiven. I found a scripture that's better than forgiven, I thought. It's this one. Hebrews 10 and 14. It says this. Hebrews 10 and 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he has said before, this is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I'll write them all. Remember, we established that. Then 17 says, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. I don't know about you, but better than forgiveness is forgetting. <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Better than forgiveness, I'd rather you forget it happened than you forgive me that it happened, okay? God forgot. He doesn't remember. And it's selective memory. You know we can do that, especially women. We can do that very well. We can choose to forget if we'd like to. Our God chose to forget what we did before we knew him. And guess what? While we know him and we mess up, he chooses to forget like it didn't even happen. Isn't that a blessing? So what we have to do in return, people of God, is we have to believe what the word of God says in the covenant and say, okay, God, since you forget, I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget so much that I'm not going to do it again. Amen. I'm going to forget how good it felt. I'm going to forget how great it was. I'm going to forget how good it tasted. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on. Forget it. For, we, we, you, you have to speak this. You have to implement it and say, God, you're so good. You don't remember. That's not even me anymore. I'm not that old person. Behold, all things are passed away, right? I'm a new creature in Christ. Every day, that should be your confession. I'm a new creature in Christ. Every day, not one time, every day, I'm a new creature in Christ. And of course, the last one that I've picked out, there was 12 of them that I found, but the better covenant is salvation. There's nothing better, more powerful than salvation, that we are saved. Do you remember when you weren't saved? Do you remember when you were not born again? Do you remember how empty your life was and how confusing it was and how up and down, round and round it was and how you would do mean things to people and hate yourself for it the next day? Are anybody going to be honest with that? Anybody just mean to people for no reason? Just mean, just would, would sabotage other people and was good at it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but then there was a day where you accepted Jesus Christ. And you realize that there is a God that you can't see that loves you and that desires to have a relationship with you. And remember that moment you felt you were the only one in church? Nobody else even mattered. You knew you had a connection with the Holy Spirit, that the Lord was drawing you to him. And then you started to believe in your heart that, yes, there is a God. And then you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then you felt that heaviness that you dealt with for years and years and years disappear. And you could see again. And that weight was off of you because you accepted Jesus Christ. Salvation. Salvation is the best part of the new covenant. We are saved. And guess what? If you say Jesus is Lord, there's no negotiation. There's no board to decide if you qualify. There's no credit check. Come on, somebody. Some of us, that would keep us out. Come on. <laughs> there, there's none of that. Immediately we are accepted. Immediately we're accepted. And then we're forgiven immediately. We serve a God of an immediate that he does things quick and in a hurry. And I'm so glad that we don't serve a God that looks at us and tries to decide how he feels about us on a certain day. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows that he created all of us to be great and to be awesome and to be wonderful and to be spirit-filled and powerful and worshipers. 
and lovers of Jesus Christ. So let us not forget the covenant. It's not just what God's done for us. It's what we did for him. Remember, we confess with our mouth. We believed in our heart. We said Jesus is Lord. Lord, meaning that Jesus, you have rule over our life. You have rule over me, over my mind, over my thoughts. God, I know it gets hard out here and it gets frustrating. And sometimes we even forget that we have a God that we can call on. But I, I challenge you people of God, remember there's a God that's waiting to hear from you. He sees every detail of your life, yet we act like he doesn't know. He knows. He knows. Just say, God, I need you more than ever before. God, I'm scared. Lord, I just don't feel like you're around me. God, is it me? Yes. <laughs> he doesn't leave us. We back away from him, and it's okay. I was, I was getting ready today, and I just felt this strong in my spirit that there are some moms in the house here that feel like they're losing hold of their children, that they're losing grips of their kids, that they've raised them up the way they're supposed to be, but they're going away. You feel like you're kind of not even, um, you're not even strong in your household. You feel like your house is just becoming like a, a den of sin, I, I, the, for lack of a better word. Praise the Lord. You, you, feel, you, feel, you feel like you're li- you're, you're, your home in your house, that you're losing spiritual ground in your house. If that's true, I want you to stay stand up right now because I want to pray for you. If there's a mom here that feels like they're losing spiritual ground in their house, that you're loving God, you're living for God, thank you Holy Spirit, you're loving God, you're living for God, and you're doing all the right things. They're even coming to church, but you, within you, you feel like you're just, they're not getting it, that they're not getting it. Let me tell you right now that all of your work is not in vain. I felt this strong today. God is blessing you, and he's going to use your life to affect your children. And the devil that tries to give you dreams of death and destruction will rebuke that in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, your kids will live and they will not die in the name of Jesus. And mom, I dare you today, when you go home, boldly walk around that child's room and just speak the word of the Lord. Open up your Bible, find a scripture, speak it out of your mouth, and just profess, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All of the days of my life, my children will live for you forever. Jesus, don't be ashamed. Don't, don't let your, your kids may look at you crazy. Who cares? It's your house. You walk around that place and you say that every person in this house is blessed, saved, sanctified in the name of Jesus. You are not losing ground, mom. That's just a trick of the devil. You are stronger. You are more powerful. You are more anointed right now than you were when you got here and i speak that over your life hands up high father i ask right now god that your power move in this place i thank you lord god that you will fill their mouths up with the word god they are not losing ground in their home god but they will remember the covenant that you will not leave us nor forsake us that everyone in our household is blessed from generation to generation sickness will not reign drug abuse will not reign fornication will not reign adultery will not reign father we thank you lord god that every band of sin and wickedness is being broken in the name of Jesus and we praise you Lord God that our children will love you they will serve you they will worship you they will adore you and God they will know that you are their God we thank you that everyone in our house is saved in the name of Jesus come on give God a shout and say amen hallelujah You are not losing ground. You are gaining ground. And the next time that devil lies, you say, no, I'm gaining ground, devil. I'm not losing ground. Everyone in my house will be saved. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, right now is the best time to ask him into your life. Maybe you've been backslidden away from the Lord. There's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be ashamed of if you've turned your back on Jesus. He wants a relationship with you, remember? We talked about it. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be up close and personal. He already knows that you're not the same with him. And you coming up tonight is just allowing me to be in agreement with you. To agree with you that, yes, you're going to start a new life with Christ in him. If you don't know Jesus, this is the best time to say, Father, I need you in my life. I believe you're Lord and Savior. Everyone heads bound. Father, I thank you.